0: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
1: The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska.
0: We could not talk or talk forever and still find things to not talk about.
1: The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, April 20, 2022, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 457 of the Biden-Harris administration, 199 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska, Twitter, Seska underscore go. Rachel Biddecoffer returns to the show today. I'm not breaking any news when I say that after two successful national elections, one in 2018, another in 2020, The Democrats are in serious jeopardy of losing everything, uh, everything that we worked for in those elections. The big question is this, what do we have to do in order to reverse the historic trend and actually expand majorities rather than gifting the unpatriotic weirdos and grifters on the Republican side with majorities across the board? So I decided uh, to bring in political strategist Rachel Bidikoffer to talk about where the Democrats are lacking and especially how to fix it so we can actually clobber the Republicans this year. There's some harsh reality in today's show, but there's also quite a bit of hope. But the time for action is right damn now. So let's dig in, put on our war faces. Meantime, think about supporting this show by signing up for our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. All right, here's me talking with Rachel Binnenkoffer. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show.
2: Well, Hammy's gonna get me in trouble barking at that garbage truck.
1: <laughs> that was like a jump scare. That was the first <laughs> thing I heard was your dog. What's your dog's name?
2: Well, this one's Hamilton. I have two. Remember Ginsburg and Hamilton. Oh, and Hamilton that's right. The one I picture more on the on Twitter because he's always snuggling with me.
1: <laughs> well, it's great to talk to you again, Rachel. Welcome back yeah. to the show. Uh-
2: how the hell are you
1: doing, Bob? Uh, I'm doing just as well as everyone else, staring into the uh, the Obisque. burning the <laughs> the burning Chernobyl <laughs> reactor on a day to day basis. Yes. Oh my god! You know we never do, Rachel. We never talk about non politics, Rachel Bitikoffer. Uh, what kind of movies and TV are you watching these days? What's occupying your non politics time?
2: Oh, dude, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. Okay, I don't know. If I, if, if I I had a lot of fun when I was young. Okay. Let me be clear. I had a rip roaring
1: good time (laughs) until
2: my mid twenties when I settled down. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I haven't lived. Okay. So I don't want you guys to cry me a river here. When I tell you, I don't spend a lot of time right now, not on the focused on, on the, on democratic collapse. Right. So like what I've been doing in my free time for fun is stutter studying intensively studying, the rise of fascist movements in other countries. <laughs>
1: yeah. <it> sounds <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah. Yep.
2: How they consolidate power, right. Mm. You know what, to, in order to disrupt it, because if you can't, you have to understand how something occurs to disrupt it, you know? Sure. And then in addition to that, you know, a little bit of military strategy because, well, you know, if shit hits the fan, I want to be useful.
1: Yeah. You do need a break <laughs> once in a while. Right. It's like if fascism's too much then. Well, you know, it's on the lighter side, military strategy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you go. When I, when I want to take something like now, occasionally I'll squeeze in an episode of Bridgerton, uh-huh. which is a, a um, season two of a season one show that premiered during the pandemic. And it's yeah. kind of like a, a little bit more salty uh, version of Downton Abbey a little less, you know, distinguished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my guilty pleasure. I read a lot. I read for pleasure. I'm always reading um, a couple at a time, recreational books. Great. Uh, but you know, I've also got a special needs son, mm-hmm. and I have to be uh, hands on yeah. with my my son a lot more than you would a, you know, a regular eight year old. So it's yeah, I just don't get a lot of free time, and I feel compelled right now to spend the time I do have trying to avoid this hot mess.
1: Are you guys still, are you settled in on the west coast now?
2: You know what? It's, it's funny because until yes until yesterday, I'd, I'd have to say no, because I've been waiting for my Oregon license plates, which <laughs> is a very important moment to me. Let me tell you, when I left to go to graduate school in 2009 in Georgia, yeah. the very last thing I was able to hold on to from Oregon was my plates. And wow. I didn't replace them until I was legally required to. And when I took them off of my, my uh, station wagon back then, it was with a, a real trepidation that I'd never make at home. And so when I got home a couple of months ago, I was, you know, I would to get my plates and it's going to be a big moment when I put my Pacific Wonderland Oregon tags back <laughs> on. And, you know, damn, if they just never showed up until yesterday. Oh my God. So to answer your question, now I feel complete.
1: You know what I always do, Rachel, whenever I hear someone has moved to Oregon, I go right to a TV series on TLC called Little People, Big World, and it's, oh my God, if you've just recently moved to Oregon, it should be an orientation video for anyone who's just moved there because it's like it's this farm in rural Portland in that area that is run by uh, uh, little people and they sell pumpkins at Halloween time. And plus, they've had a, a reality show on TLC for like the last 25 years. Oh my God, this show is so incredibly addictive, but it's basically all I know about what happens in Oregon. <laughs> That's my my full impression of Oregon, is Little well, People, I, Big I, World. I, and
2: you know, I'm incapable of, of telling you whether it's reflexive or reflective <laughs> or not, because I've never seen that show.
1: <laughs> I, I, strangely um, not know, that I'm yeah. above
2: TLC seafare occasionally. I'm a very cultured individual, Bob. You should understand. I'm I'm so cultured. I can go from deadliest catch Mm -hmm. all the way to so you think you can dance. And I might even throw in. So, you know, I'm definitely a huge football fan. So, of course, there's that, Uh, you know, and I've even been known to watch that say yes to the dress show a few times and be hypercritical about women that want to wear mermaids that don't have flattering mermaid forms. (laughs) Get myself in a little Twitter trouble there, buddy. I'm I'm just—I'm gonna—you
1: know what? I'm gonna have to fly out there, and we'll just have to watch TV together for a while. I think that would be a blast to just sit and.
2: and Oh, dude! Wait till you see Oregon. You ever want to come out here, buddy? I'll take you on a tour of wine country. You'll yeah. lick Pinot Noir right out of casks.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, that you'll sounds taste delicious. The
2: best cheese that you've <laughs> ever eaten in your life. Yeah. And yeah. you'll get to see the Emerald Valley in all of its shiny glory. Wow. Uh, but I definitely recommend you do that over the summertime when Oregon is at peak, peak beauty. So are you still working
1: on Strike Pack? Is that still a thing?
2: No, I left Strike Pack on the 1st of April, so the 1st of this month, so mm-hmm. that I would be non-affiliated with a super pack so that I could work directly with federal candidates and any um, you know, pertinent clients that I wanted to yeah, yeah. for the fall after I realized I, so with Strike Pack, you know, my my ultimate mission is a 51 seat 218 majority plan, okay? Nice. And in order to compete with that, we we are going to have to deploy a centralized aggressive Referendum style brand offensive against Republicans in as many swing locations as possible to have any chance Mm -hmm. of holding back this midterm effect. And uh, I realized quickly that the the strike pack was not going to have that kind of budget, and that I could be more effective on affecting more strategy in more places Uh, if I was to outsource my brain. So that's what I'm doing right now. So
1: what are the odds? Let's say 10 being most likely the Democrats could defy history this year and one being the least likely. Where are you right now in terms of your general forecast on what's going to happen in November?
2: So I know two things as of today. I I can track the two main polling indicators and frankly, the only two that matter uh, you don't even need localized polling. all you need is these two indicators of national polls and what what that is is the generic ballot which asks people do you want to vote for Republicans or Democrats in the fall mm-hmm. and then the enthusiasm gap which asks you know voters generally, how enthusiastic are you to vote or will you definitely vote and then it crunches that data by party to see if there's a differential. Right. And when Trump was in office, that differential heavily favored Democrats. Mm -hmm. Same with the generic ballot. Seven, eight points all year. Now it's inverse. Number one, the generic ballot favors Republicans. It's a modest favorability because keep in mind, we have that national population advantage, but it it, 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 Democrats cannot even be tied on the generic ballot and be prepared to have a good cycle. Okay. Okay. So right now Republicans have two to three point advantage on that has not changed as the news cycle moved away from the internal divisions of the, of the democratic party and its struggles with mansion and cinema to Ukraine and other headlines for over a month now, we've still seen no effect. And and by the way, that's after Joe Biden has handled this NATO situation, the Ukrainian situation, Given the constraint of, of nuclear destruction, um, expertly, right? And there's yeah. been absolutely no rally around the flag effect. First time in American politics we've ever seen a national security crisis of this caliber. And we've seen no rally around the flag effect. And that's mm-hmm. because Republicans and right leaning independents will not, unless the GOP gives them permission structure to do that via their media ecosystem, mm-hmm. will not ever give Joe Biden credit. He could, he could, um, save uh you know 10 000 children from a burning building oh, on his yeah. back and it wouldn't yeah. do it right so there's those two things that the enthusiasm differential is about 10 points it was about 10 points in virginia all year i kept saying you have a massive coalitional enthusiasm problem you should take a, a page out of the gop's playbook and run a strategy that is directly dealing with that and simultaneously disqualifies the Republican Party, they, when they run it, they're disqualifying us from from conversion voters or swing voters pools, and that's what the GOP does. They don't have a distinct message—one for the base, one for the middle of the electorate, right? Because they understand the middle of the electorate can be can be pushed emotionally, but they can't be. Uh, they don't. They aren't policy wonks. They mm. aren't going to be responsive to, "Hey, we have a better policy." Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, they would be if that was what they were getting hit with on both sides. But it's mm. an asymmetrical approach. So when we look at those two things, Bob, that's a, a, a long wound up. But I want you guys to understand <laughs> the data component of it. Sure. I will tell you that we have zero percent chance of holding the House or the Senate uh, today. Okay, yeah. and and further. If we fail to do that, and we're talking about 20 seats down in the House, maybe top, maybe 30 based on these two indicators right mm-hmm. now, yeah. at least three Senate seats, if that is to occur, with it will almost certainly go the Michigan and the Pennsylvania governor races. Even if the polling shows it's competitive all the way through, those you cannot – perform that poorly down ballot in these midterms or um, um, in the congressional ballots and still get the turnout And the conversion percentage you need Mm -hmm. to hold on to these very competitive states. Virginia just flipped. It's a far better electorate down in Virginia than there is up in the upper Midwest. Mm -hmm. And if you lose Virginia, almost lose New New Jersey, not only does that mean the Midwest is in danger, but it expands the GOP's map all the way down to Colorado. Right. So the Democrats have real issues here. It's not something that can be reasoned with, wished away. It's not obviously um, something that will improve itself with better news headlines because Biden's had a relatively gentle cycle for at least a month now. We've seen no response. Mm -hmm. If you want to uh, disrupt a midterm effect, you have to go right at it and, and force the conversation to become a referendum on the Republican Party instead.
1: Yeah, you know, I checked 270 to win today. And it, it just based on their numbers and their consensus numbers specifically, it doesn't look like that much of a bloodbath. I mean, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I think, you know, your 0% forecast is... Probably pretty accurate right now, today. But as of also today, according to 270 to win, it's 47 on the Senate side. It's 47 uh, Dem, 48 GOP with five toss-ups. And the toss-ups, Kelly in Arizona, Warnock in Georgia, Mosto in Nevada, and then Toomey's seat in Pennsylvania, plus Ron Johnson. And I think you can also see the disaster just in the toss-ups, because we've got Basically four uh, Democratic toss-ups, but only one Republican toss-up, and that's Ron Johnson. I'd like to see way more Republicans on that toss-up list. And then on the House side... It's 188 Dem, 184 GOP with 25 toss-ups. Now, only eight of the toss-ups are Republican seats. Once again, the same story as we saw in the Senate, where the toss-ups lean heavily in favor of the Republicans. Uh, so that means the Democrats have to sweep nearly all of the toss-up races. And from where we're looking right now, it doesn't look likely, does it? doesn't
2: look like they'd win half of the toss-up races, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the thing with 270 270- Crystal ball, silver stuff. That mm. stuff will reflect what I'm telling you, unless we disrupt the strategy, right? Okay. If we change if we turn the Titanic, and we have time to do that right now, right? In terms of this messaging apparatus and the strategic effort that we put forward, mm-hmm. we can change this. But it, let's say that I fail in that, and I would assume that I would fail in that. Then, as of today, those forecasts will look like what I'm telling you, but it will not be until September.
1: So what's driving this right now, Rachel? I mean, let's say, for example, if gas prices and inflation drop by, say, July, they're back down to somewhere you know what we would consider to be normal levels again. Will that be enough time for voters to calm the f down and look at Democrats again, or have these issues already metastasized in voters' minds? Like this is already no, it's absolutely
2: impossible for that that a small decrease in gas, or even large, or a uh, decrease in inflation. On its own is going to change the fundamentals. The fundamentals are set in stone. And I'm not talking about economic fundamentals. I'm talking about structural fundamentals. Ugh. This is a midterm election. Yeah. We are now the in-party. You can see you can see the transition away from out party, in-party, and polling data all through 2021. And now we are squarely where the Republicans were in 2018. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um we can destruct that. We can do what they did because they actually mitigated quite a bit of their loss in 2018. They, they, the map for the realignment, um, we're talking about towards the end of the decade and they were just, they've moved so far to capture white working class men, especially that they've isolated and triggered a realignment, a dealignment among college educated voters. Mm-hmm. So, um, we think about that, like the, the districts were so favorable, for Democrats in 18, that there was places like Richmond where I just knew even though that district was an R plus seven under the last PVI calculations almost a decade prior that, that when it got redone, it was gonna be a D district. And that's why Abigail Spanberger would win it for sure yeah. in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. So when we think about um, you know where we're at now, we're gonna be coming under um, new maps, right? Uh, we don't have those maps finalized. So, uh, you know, the, the fact is the redistricting stuff has given us an opportunity to compete for control of the House. Yeah. Be prior to the favorable way that shook out. And that was a product of two things. Democrats in states where they had not tied their own hands behind their back already, maximize seat share okay? mm-hmm. and offset some of those gains. And number two, the Republicans screwed themselves by undermining the census amongst Latino voters, especially in the South, and cost themselves a couple extra seats in the process, right? Yeah, That that has allowed us open the door to compete for 218 seats Mm -hmm. in the House, all right? Uh, So when we look at these toss-ups, though, you know, we're going to see those start to slide away from Democrats over the course of the summer and the fall, unless Democrats understand that you, ha- if you want to change a midterm narrative, you have to strategically change it. It's not going to change on its own.
1: And in fact, along those lines, Rachel, I don't know if you saw this. Speech from yesterday by this Michigan State Senator, Mallory McMorrow. She delivered a god, a hell of a barn burner speech about this nonsense with grooming and so on, the demonization of gay people, the, the, the attacks on Disney, and so on. Well, she was personally attacked by one of her colleagues in the Michigan Senate, and uh, she hit back in a way that I have not seen so far this year, uh, at least coming from a Democrat. Last I checked. This video had 9 million views and counting. It's probably well over 10 by the time we're talking at this point. If the Dems did one or two of those kind of speeches per week, like really viral, uh, salient, uh, strong, cutting speeches don't you think that might change the game at this point that there might be a chance? looking for an.
2: so here's where we all go wrong though, Bob. It's like we have this thing called naive realism. All humans do. It's not it's not unique to liberals, to Democrats. Yeah, everybody's yeah. got naive liberal uh, realism. It's just that in this particular circumstance, electoral politics, it is particularly damaging to mm-hmm. us, okay? And what that is is that as our human psychology, um it, it will allow us to account for the fact that people are different right that there's variation in personality intelligence interest whatever but it really cannot quite empathize and you know actually move over to an empathetic perspective where you can think and feel and see the world in a completely different way right because mm-hmm. it's not that liberals and democrats disagree on issues they do they disagree on how the world works, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so in our bubble of naive realism, our special version of it, we think everyone reads the news. Everyone knows what's happened in American politics over mm-hmm. the last two years, over the last four years, all the headlines from the last six months, we assume by and large, most of the electorate knows this and we could not be more wrong. OK, mm-hmm, yeah. so we could have 15 and 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 Mallory, by the way, is, is a graduate of my timeline. Right. So I'm really pleased to see her out there just <laughs> freaking killing it. Yeah. And if we had 50, 50 of them, 50 candidates running in swing races at the federal level, at state governor's races with that kind of aggressive pushback we would have something okay, yeah, that could yeah. break through the sound barrier to the normal people. Because Bob, you're not normal. I am not normal. No. Your audience is not normal. Everybody who reads news every day, even if it comes from a partisan source only, like the Republicans, is not normal in terms of, of what the average American electorate is like. The average American electorate is so tuned out that the day after the State of the Union, the State of the Union did not make the top 20 Google searches. Jesus. Okay?
1: Yeah. Uh, And that's not surprising in the slightest. Yeah, yeah. So if we want people to know
2: what's happening, it is our job to tell them, Uh and we must go with the lowest hanging fruit, okay? The Republican Party organized itself to a multi-level, multi-office, multi-state plot, um, conspiracy to overthrow the election Mm -hmm. that ended, right? It pinnacled in an armed insurrection assault against the Capitol, which was also articulated and planned. Okay. yeah. And nobody knows this, but us, I promise you that nobody knows it, but us.
1: Well, the conversation I find myself having with other Democrats most often is this Rachel, and it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's a disagreement as much of it is a, a debate, which is that I think there's expectations that the DNC in particular is going to be the source of some sort of message that's going to resonate to all Democrats, whether you follow this stuff 24-7 or not, and that the DNC could turn it all around. And I always question that because... There are other entities that create messages that tend to resonate, and I think there's too much of an expectation that it should just come from Jamie Harrison and the DNC and game over. If it doesn't, then we lose. What are some of the other sources of Democratic messaging that not only could turn around the midterms, but also in a general sense— Do you follow what I'm saying? It's just it's yeah, I do. And and you
2: mean, it's actually touching on our biggest problem, which is decentralization, right? So, I mean, it's not like, why isn't it falling on all these activist groups? It is falling on all these activist groups. Let me take a step back and explain to people. Jamie Harrison is performing the, the job of chairman of the DNC just fine, right? Yeah. He's raising a shit ton of money, yep. and he, his job is to run the institution of the DNC. And in terms of electoral politics, that organization tends to focus on institutional stuff, like voter registration and things, okay? Mm-hmm. There is no messaging command center. There is no command center. There is no war cabinet. There is no general. There is no institution in the Democratic Party that exists to win elections and to structure effective, centralized, hard-hitting um, electoral strategy. And instead, it does fall to all of these individual groups, every one of which is run by, um, you know, a person that considers their message to be superior to everybody else's, um, you know, and uh, that's exactly the opposite of what we need. And then within the party's structure you know, the focus is, it, okay, let me explain it this way. In the RNC, they're focused on one thing. The only ROI to, that matters, that's return on investment that matters to Republicans and to the RNC is winning, mm-hmm. period, yep. okay? So there's no focus. There's no mission creep. The mission is to win as many seats as possible wherever possible, right? And in our system, we, have, we want to win elections, but we also want to make sure we're diversifying staffs. Okay, we also need to make sure we're using union, you know, people to mm-hmm. do everything, yeah. And we need to make sure, so on and so forth, Bob. So you, what you have there is you have winning equally important to all of these other, you know, priorities, yeah. right? Yeah. And you know, I don't need to tell you why that's a total and utter disaster when you are facing a dishonest opposition, which has perfected a Joseph Goebbels. Nazi style propaganda machine. It's on its fifth cycle of it. And what it is going to put forth in 2022 is going to be the most vicious version you have ever seen.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I think that's uh, pretty clear even now. What one of my chief concerns in all of this, Rachel, is I feel as though we're going to be back where we were with the uh, Glenn Youngkin race in Virginia once again, where we're constantly triaging whatever nonsense the Republicans have invented, mostly targeting people with school-age children. Yeah, and and
2: and Bob ignoring me, sitting there six months ahead, saying, "Hey, you've got a generic ballot problem. You've got an enthusiasm problem. Mm -hmm. The Republican Party runs this system. It's a statewide." funnel basically model right from state legislature to the house races to the gubernatorial or to the senate whatever it is it is a funnel system the messaging the targeting is all sophisticated there's no hey should we spend money on mobilization ads or persuasion ads because every ad the gop makes does both of these things and does it way more effectively than we ever could, right? Yeah, Because it's all emotive, it's stakes framing, it's apocalyptic, it's it's rhetorical hyperbole, but it gets the job done. It it drives their voters to the polls and they met their presidential turnout practically in their best districts, which is unheard of. I mean, always you have drop off, right? So like Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, the turnout was high in Virginia. For Republicans. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. it was fantastic for Republicans. And that's because they have a system that is designed to maximize it from the most strident Republican card carrying party member all the way up to your right leaning indies. And they deployed it expertly. And you know, it for you think it was painful for you. I lived in Virginia mm-hmm. until this fall. And I sold my house because they would not run this strategy. And I knew they were going to drop the state. And what I wanted to do in terms of the messaging deployment was paint a picture of life under a modern Republican governor.
1: Bingo. Right? Yeah.
2: And, you know, it had. And and of course, what are they what are they as everyone focused on now living this life? Right. So Youngkin's out there doing the crazy stuff that we could have told voters he was coming to do to the state. And Republicans almost certainly would have done that message.
1: And instead, what we do is we end up responding to their message and then that becomes our message. And that's a problem yeah. for even, for example, the uh, uh, Mallory McMorrow. As great as that speech was, as perfect as the content was, the writing, the delivery, it was still responding to a Republican message rather than seizing the offense, initiative. Right? and cre- Yeah, exactly. Oh, so
2: astute of you to realize that. And so, yes, I mean, this is the other thing I'm trying. The other thing I tried to get Democrats to do, I, I mm-hmm. said, listen, you cannot engage on CRT. It doesn't matter that you're right on the morals, right. the ethics, the facts doesn't matter. Okay, the entire point this issue was created was to make race the salient topic of conversation because it it is a game you literally can't. And not win in this environment right mm-hmm. yeah all all people here the small pool of swing voters that do exist all they heard in virginia in 2021 was democrats want to make your white kids feel bad about being white that's mm-hmm. what crt is designed to do and yep. it will do it effectively everywhere in 2022 what our job is to do is to not let them set the terms of the topics that we're going to debate here is a party that is proposing middle class and working class american tax hikes they mm-hmm. want to gut and and end social security and Medicare in five years, uh, ostensibly stealing those of us who've been invested in those systems for decades, right? And pushing our parents, our grandparents out into the streets to die, Mm -hmm. right? So these are the things they don't want us to talk about and we must endeavor to ignore their bait. They know we're stupid and we can't resist it because we know we're right. And so they love to lay us out Here's what we're going to have 22 about. We're going to have 2022 about parents' rights, quote unquote, and uh, race. Okay, and our job is to say no, no, hell no. Mm -hmm. 2022 is a referendum on the Republican Party. This is what the Republican agenda looks like today. It's a fascist agenda. It is dangerous to you personally, voter, to your health, to your wealth, to your physical safety. Right. And this is an existential threat that you're facing that we must make clear to them.
1: Okay, more with Rachel here in just one second. But first, about 10 years ago, I was buried under a mountain of debt. I had no idea how I was going to get out from under all this debt. It was incredible. I, it was sleepless nights trying to figure out how, what kind of payments, how long is it going to take for me to escape this burden, this uh, anvil hanging over my head. I took extreme measures to absolve my debt, but you don't have to do that. All you need is Lightstream. So did you know that refinancing your credit card balances can lower your interest rate and save you a ton of money, and you don't have to be a financial expert in order to do it? Here's how. So with Lightstream, you can roll your credit cards into one low payment at a fixed rate as low as 4.98% APR with autopay and excellent credit. That's way lower than the 19% APR you might be paying on your credit cards right now. Go check your statement. I bet it's around 19%. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 and there are absolutely no fees. Lightstream believes the people with good credit deserve a better loan experience and that's exactly what they're gonna deliver. Also, they're gonna deliver this just for my list Listeners. apply now and get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash sesca. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash C-E-S-C-A. Link in the description under this episode at com. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 4.98% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com sesca for more information.
0: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
1: Bob Seska!
0: I'll take favorites all day long!
1: Can the Democrats employ patriotism as an attack against Republicans, the lack of Republican patriotism, would that be an effective attack? We should
2: be wedging that. We should be hitting them every day. Half the party is pro-Putin. The Republican Party has yielded to us their two sacred cows, the economy and national security. Mm -hmm. And we are fools if we do not go in there and aggressively grab them. You're
1: so right. It was shocking to read this New Yorker piece by Jane Mayer the other day about the American Accountability Foundation. and this uh, it's basically a dark money group. I don't know if you saw the piece, Rachel, but it's a well-financed dark money group, and they've been tasked with smearing all of these both cabinet candidates and uh, also judicial nominees. I always wonder are there any groups like this on the Democratic side? No. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what's baffling to me. Why? <laughs> the question is yeah, why?
2: and and, th- and that's what my mission is, right? I mean, one of the reasons I left Stripe Pack is I thought it was important to have moral clarity to be able to say hey this is what's coming this is the size of the seat share that they're looking at gaining right now on these two metrics mm-hmm. and not have it feel like I'm trying to raise money for my own organization so that was yeah. one of the one of the um you know reasons that I I moved I left the pack but the other reason is it's to be able to be very clear about what we lack and what we need to survive we do not have a command center We are in a war. Mm. They have declared war against Democrats, against journalists, against policymakers, against election officials, against gay people, against everyone that does not want to live in their conservative orthodoxy, you know, weird alt reality. Mm -hmm. And we don't get a choice. This is a war they declared and they are waging on us. And they have been running like, you know, just running us loose for a long time on it. We must respond, and if we're in an electoral war scenario and we have no command structure and no general, well, as somebody who has spent a couple of years now looking at military strategy, <laughs> let me tell you, the number of of uh, armies that have survived battle with no command, pretty damn low, Bob.
1: Oh yes, but I mean,
2: and 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 and, and you know what else? I'll tell you this: yeah. I'm tired of hearing. Well, we don't have, and uh, you know, it's been. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC. Mm -hmm. That's their organization that does model legislation. So that's the reason within a week of hearing Tucker Carlson talk about testicle tanning, (laughs) you'll see 14 bills in Republican (laughs) legislators, you know, expanding testicle tanning beds or whatever, right? Because they have this policy shop that makes model bills like stand your ground, farms them out, and gets them deployed quick in the state Mm -hmm. legislature. So this party is ineffective at the federal level and then ruling the roost big time in terms of republican policy at the state level they built the federalist society and now control six three the court every conservative on there is a member of the federalist society right they built judicial watch to help them do that they we have done nothing so year after year cycle after cycle I and others, I'm certainly not the only person that's made this observation, have said, hey, how come we don't have this? How come we don't have that? Well, I'm not a member of an organized party. I'm a Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I'm done with the folksy bullshit. Okay? (laughs) We're the smartest people in the country. We're the smartest people in the country. Tell me we cannot devise a system that can go toe-to-toe with these clowns who are so incompetent that when they do try to overthrow the government, they do it on their own phones and via text.
1: Exactly. I keep going back to that SNL sketch from the 1988 presidential election where Michael Dukakis, played by John Lovitz, turns to George H.W. Bush and says, I can't believe I'm losing to this guy. And that's the thing with the Democratic Party. It's like you stand there and you see what's happening on the right with, as you said, testicle tanning and Mr. Potato Head and uh, teachers indoctrinating students and all this crap. And you go, oh, I can't believe we're losing to these people. They invaded the fucking capital, no and, shit. and we're Are losing you- to them. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm just sorry, but I'm just not. I'm just not going to accept it. Okay, like if yeah. I fail, I fail. But I am here to tell everybody right now, today on April 420. Woo, 420. Okay.
1: <laughs> and you're in we Oregon.
2: <laughs> can disrupt the midterm effect, but right mm-hmm. now we have no strategy in place to do so. Yeah. No institution capable of executing it anyway. That is my mission: is to tell people <laughs> this is what we're facing. We must make the conversation dominate. About Republicans. So, you know, I have absolutely zero worry that we're going to have tons of ads and messaging about how Democrats did this and they did that and they delivered shit, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That's great. There will be zero war machine messaging as of today that's effective. We need a full brand assault. We need to make it very clear to voters this is what the modern Republican Party is, because right now, most of them just think it's about taxes, okay? Mm -hmm. Low taxes. Yeah, Republican, low taxes, good for the economy. Our job is to define the Republican Party as an existential threat to them personally, hammer that point home, make sure our coalitional turnout is optimized by sophisticated targeting that understands how voters behave. And, you know, people who drop out of the electorate aren't motivated off of like rosy policy shit. Yeah. Fear, threat, stakes. That's how they did it. That's how we must do it. We're not special people. We don't have a special psychology that makes us immune from negative shit. We just don't like to admit it moves us. Okay, <laughs> So it's time to wake up, get real, because it's not it's we're not no longer in a wildfire situation. The whole motherfucking country is on fire yeah. and we have to meet the moment.
1: There's so much navel-gazing that goes on, too, around the notion, and you've mentioned this word already at least a couple of times, Rachel, and that's the fascism word. A lot of Democrats I hear from say, well, how are you going to sell the idea of Republican fascism to the quote-unquote folks, the people who don't follow politics on Twitter on a day-to-day basis, who are only casual voters or casual followers of politics? And what do you say to those people? I mean, how do you make that pitch?
2: It it cracks me up because it's like what do do they think that socialism like Democrats when I ran a poll in in, I think this is like 16 2016 maybe maybe 2017 I ran a poll once and asked voters what's the first word that pops in your mind when you hear and like you know I had various things Republicans Democrats Donald Trump that right Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. and for Democrats guess what it was dude. Socialist. Socialism
1: yeah. Okay
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So like You would think These folks I mean do you think People just naturally Came to that No, no. dude. Socialism is no more Concrete for for people or wasn't anyway 10 years ago than fascism is. The reason why Republicans are convinced, by the way, they are convinced we're the baddies, okay? They are told on a day to day fucking basis the Democrats, the left, they're destroying America. They're stealing your rights. They're coming. They're going to, they're violating the rule of law. All the shit that they're actually doing, mm. they say about us to their electorate. So their electorate is fired up and thinks they're on the front lines of defending democracy against us, dude. So like yes we can make fascism stick yeah but you can't just do it abstractly so the shit that i talk about is simple but it's not simplistic okay yeah and when you do it abstractly like Yunkin or um if did in Virginia. I mean, he p- puts up a couple ads. Oh, you know, Youngkin's just like Trump. That's it. That's no definition of what that would mean for voters. No definition of just like Trump, what that actually means. right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no personalization. I mean, just completely inadequate messaging in that regard. So, no, you cannot make people worry about uh, fascism with messaging like that. Mm-hmm. But you can make them worry about it.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that always concerns me, and this is structural, I think, on the Democratic side, whenever I see, for example, Joe Biden's approval numbers and I see that Republican voters only three percent think Joe Biden is doing a decent job, whereas on the Democratic side, 12 percent disapprove. And to me, the structural problem that we face is the difference between that three percent and the twelve percent. Do you follow what I'm saying? And I've been referring oh, absolutely I've been referring uh, to that I've been referring to that gap yeah. as the fascism gap. Because yeah, in yeah. that gap where that lack of enthusiasm on the de- Democratic side versus the uh, lockstep posture of the Republican side, that's where we end up losing, right?
2: Absolutely. And you know what? We can I I I don't think it's healthy. I don't want to be doing any of this shit, Bob. I mean, I I started my career writing a dissertation about how polarization was going to be a major problem for America. And boy, Mm -hmm. was I wrong because it's a nuclear bomb, right? I mean, this is not in my, I'm a, and I am a natural moderate. I'm a pragmatist. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not like I'm like, yay, let's go out there and wage similar psychological warfare on our side of the electorate for fun. Okay. But the fact of the fucking matter is that's what we're up against on the other side. Mm -hmm. It is now gone to the point where it's going to frame all of us as pedophiles, groomers, And, you know, uh, the kind of um, messaging. I mean, this has already become staple. Every response that I get on Twitter, I don't, you know, respond to these guys. But I'll I'll see Republicans on my timeline. Every one of them is about how I'm a child pet predator. predator, I'm a pedophile sympathizer, right? So this shit's already prolific through their food chain. They have a system that is designed to do one thing, terrify their base about us, and disqualify us in the eyes of independent voters. Mm-hmm. We must meet them with
1: fire. Why are Democrats so hesitant to fight fire? Why, why can't it we do is this? so
2: inherently against. I mean, like I just said, you know, I'm a pretty liberal person, dude. I mean, I'm pretty liberal. I'm just. Yeah. I just happen to be pragmatic, and it balances it out. Yeah, right? we're about the
1: same on that but, front. Yeah.
2: But here's the thing. I'm also. I mean, I'm. I, yeah. No. Lib- this is so antithetical to the liberal worldview. Mm-hmm. It is not. It's. It's not like teaching uh, a bicycle rider how to ride a unicycle. Okay. It's like teaching somebody who can't walk how to ride a unicycle. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's so Uh against their nature that even the people that are receptive to the work I'm doing and work with me and let me fix their stuff. I have to teach them how to think in a whole different way Mm -hmm. to construct brand advertising, brand messaging that is that is doing the work of both disqualifying them and promoting us.
1: Okay. One last break before we wrap up the show. If you're pissed off at cable news and other very serious political analysts these days, Here's an outstanding way to support independent media, specifically this podcast. For just 5 bucks per month, you can support our Patreon page as we guide you through the madness and chaos of our politics. But it's not just about supporting shows like this one. You're also going to get bonus content as a reward for your monthly support. We're talking about exclusive access to our Shadow Docket podcast recorded after the end credits roll on our Tuesday and Thursday shows. You also get access to the Patreon app where you can download the free show and our bonus content. Plus, you can join the discussion with our community of Patreon members in the comments under each episode. All that for just $5 per month, just pennies per show. Don't miss out. Again, that's BobSuskashow.com. Bookmark it, send it to all your friends. And we thank you.
0: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
1: more music. Well, uh, Jesus, <laughs> I know you have a hard out, Rachel, uh, but I, w- I want to ask you one last question. Is there anything positive that you see on the horizon for the Democrats as far as uh, maybe something that's happening on the ground in uh, a, a Senate race or a congressional race or certainly a state and local race, which is where I think uh, the Democrats have their biggest impediment as far as energy goes. Is there anything uh, that we can grapple on to <laughs> that won't make yeah, us jump a cliff? Yeah, yeah, let you know, me tell you this, cliff? Bob. Yeah.
2: I mean here the fundamentals are rough for us Right uh-huh. uh, not only do you have this In party out party fundamental But I mean the economy drives me Fucking nuts right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. The other day a Democrat I straight, straight up a house member of the Democratic Party on TV I won't say who Was like yeah you know we've done some Stuff like you know we stabilized the Entire economy and you know Got this whole international coalition To go up against Putin and you know but we Haven't really delivered enough I'm like dude What you're talking about, like, without us, millions of Americans would have been financially devastated by this pandemic. That's right. Okay. So, like, maybe we could start with that. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The point is this. The fundamentals are against us. We are the in party now. We have no enthusiasm in our coalition. We have a gap among swing voters on who they want to control Congress. We can only change that if we get swing voters to know what we know. They don't know anything that we know. So we must bring that info to them and make it very easy and impossible for them to ignore, frankly. Right. Yeah. And if we did that, The politics of the moment could not be better for us. And that's why I'm completely fucking mystified as to why the A-list of the Democratic Party's consultant class is still sitting there hand-wringing about what AOC or Ilan Omar might say or do. When I'm like, look, dude, I spend zero amount of time worrying about what five people in the Democratic caucus are going to do. Okay? Why? Because there's nothing, number one, we could wave a wand and make them disappear tomorrow. And guess what? Mm -hmm. Every moderate in every swing race that we run is still going to be branded as a socialist that wants to defund the police they don't care about reality they make the brand stick to every candidate and they don't they there's no quarter given for people who are, no, no, I don't support that. And they even tried to brand Joe Biden as a socialist who wanted to defund the police. The only reason it failed there, of course, is because Joe Biden was the former vice president and has a massive public reputation to protect him, right? And so the politics of the moment are are all for us. We can hit them on, on economics. We can tell the story of how Reaganomics decimated the American middle class. The Republican Party had its hand behind the of our infrastructure it has stood in the way of action on climate change it is standing in the way now of action on every pressing public policy issue we have okay and we need to make it clear this ain't your granddaddy's gop folks Mm -hmm. this is a republican party that wants to eliminate abortion eliminate birth control take control of the federal government federalize our state system, you know, potentially putting it under one national conservative umbrella. We are in a crisis situation and we have to make sure voters don't walk into the ballot booth in 2022 with a normalcy frame, right? We need a crisis frame. That's how we can turn things around. And of course, you've got Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger on that select committee getting ready to send us balls. They're going to pitch them out. (laughs) The question is, can I scramble a system in place to hit the ball they pitch? Because it's not enough to have hearings. It's not enough to have MSNBC and New York Times and even little local papers talking about what actually happened in them. We have to find a way to make average people look at the information that we want them to see. And anything else other than that aggressive push is going to fail us.
1: We got to find you a billion dollars right now, Rachel, and you need to enact this plan immediately because this is, God, this is exactly, everything that you've said here is exactly what we need to do. Oh, my God. Thank you so and, much. And you know what?
2: I And, Bob, that's, like, again, just a, one more shameless pitch. That's yeah. why I was like, okay, look, people don't want to give me money. Fine. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I, I'll be free agent yeah bring me in man let me fix your campaign let me fix your there candidate you races your ies we can optimize this we can do it together we, you know we're running we have a common enemy in the anti-democratic republican party mm-hmm. and this is a moment we should all be rowing in the same direction
1: yeah i so so agree you can follow rachel on twitter at rachel bitticoff or i got a link in the description under this episode of com. any place else you want people to uh track you down Now, I think that will will do it, Bob. That's a horrible way to put it. Can anyone else track you down somewhere? (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank you so Uh, (laughs) much. Thank you so much, Rachel. I already
2: get some fun mail. Yeah. Oh,
1: God. I can't even imagine. (laughs) I can't even imagine your DMs. Uh, You are the smartest kid in class. Thank you so much for all your hard work, Rachel. And I hope people are listening. I hope people pay attention to exactly what you're saying. This is the real deal.
2: And I can't thank you enough for helping me get that message out.
1: Uh, You bet. Take care. We'll talk to you next time.
2: Yep. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.